All right, hello and welcome to the first uh, of the season RBA podcast. We're uh, we're trying it out here for 2011. Um, this is uh, the commissioner, JR, and I have on the line with me in the first two-person podcast that we've done. Um, I have the uh, the winner of one RBA championship. Uh, he's been to the playoffs four times. He's reached the championship twice. He is the only RBA coach to have five consecutive seasons of either 50 wins or 50 losses. So take from that what you will. Um, he is, of course, the owner and uh, manager of the Arizona Greenbacks, Jeff Hobbs. How about that? Good intro? Yeah, that works. Yeah, all right. So um, we're testing this out here today, and we uh, we have a couple of things to, uh, to discuss. First, uh, I guess foremost, we're going to talk about a project that we undertook uh, a few months ago. I guess we started it a, a few months ago. Um, sort of modeled on the replays that, that you have been doing for the HHA. We replayed uh, each of the 10 current RBA seasons a few times. I believe it was 14 times per. Is that right? 14, 14 times using 14 different managers in a different program that is Right. I um on the on the blog, which uh, I'm going to put a link up as soon as as soon as we're done recording here on the blog. I uh, I did explain a little bit. I didn't explain in depth, but I did say, um, you know, of course, it, it has some differences. The the pitchers are graded rather than exact statistics. But uh, one thing is, you know, for the first three seasons of the RBA, we didn't have left right splits, and this one will include left right splits. Good, good addendum, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> no problem. I, I wasn't happy. Uh, yeah, it has left-right splits. It has all kinds of things. Um, you know, much more detailed statistics than the RBA had certainly in the early years. Yeah, but but would you say that that I mean, not to be hubristic on the website, but I, I said that that my program is probably more sophisticated now than that program. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, it is probably less. But more realistic. The okay. So in what way? In what way do you mean that? Um, well, you know, the APBA program has some idiotic things that occur. <laughs> uh, if you replay a season and a pitcher hasn't, for example, if a pitcher hasn't pitched for a while, his grade will change. Yeah. Does uh, he get itchy or something like that? Uh, also, within a game, pitchers' grades will change because they they get hot or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Streaky. Yeah, but I mean, just from my perspective, especially because you're talking about pitcher grades, and, and every pitcher is assigned a number, basically. In the RBA, of course, we we use the actual statistics, so it makes me think that the um, the RBA stats for pitchers are more accurate. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh. Certainly Right, right. So, so there's that. But um, and also with the defensive changes, I think we have some pretty accurate defensive metrics now in the program, in my program. Yeah, but right. 
So again, much more continuity in, in the RBA, you would say, which which I think suggests precision, I would say. Yep. Okay. Well, we've gotten kind of nerdy here early, but um, all I was saying was... And the podcast just got an R rating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Um, Okay, so, but one thing that I was trying to point out was that one thing that might make them a little bit um, less accurate uh, in terms of, of trying to simulate the, or, or in terms of replaying it, is the left-right thing, because we didn't have the left-right splits back then. Um, so that is one thing that I said, but uh, I guess um, we'll talk about that, but but let me just ask you a, a couple of questions beforehand. I thought that, you know, we can use the replay as a way to, you know, kick off the, the podcast series, and if it if it works, talking about it and everything, we could maybe do one for every replay. I'd have to write the write-ups and stuff, but... Um, we could make them shorter than this one. Yeah, well, you know. Hey, this is... This, the, take, this one takes some explaining up front. Yeah, but you know, I mean, hey. Um, so, just, uh, you know, the deadline is coming up, and of course it hasn't passed yet, but we had a couple of trades. What, uh... What do you think about the sense of the playoff teams? What do you think about the state of the league in general? Let me uh, just get your your impressions. Who do you uh, who do you think is the favorite at this point, or is there a favorite? Um, uh, yeah, you know, the gun to my head, I'd probably say Chad. Now, I, I think my team was a little better at the start of the year. Chad has made some trades. Uh, he, I would say that his team is at least as good as mine now, and maybe better. Um, I think John is definitely the favorite from that other division. Uh, but, uh, 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 I only get the most knowledgeable analysts here. <laughs> I can never just put the division name straight anymore. Uh, and uh, uh, from the uh, from the uh, uh, Clemente, uh, well, of course you've got yeah, Elm Grove is the favorite. I would say for the wild card, I still have to I still have to go with Orlando as the favorite there. So I don't think too much has really changed from the start of the as far as favorites go. Okay. So you think uh, you think that the, the two playoff teams are coming out of your division? Uh, I'm, I'm not guaranteed, but yeah, that's my okay. prediction, I guess. Now, in light of the trades, I guess, you know, Silver City made a, a minor trade picking up a starter, but in light of the trades, the, the biggest move, as you said, was that maybe you had Chad rated as a little bit worse than you, a little bit below you coming into the season, maybe a little bit better than you now, picking up the, the two strong relievers from Baltimore. I, let's, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I don't remember the numbers exactly. I don't have them in front of me, but I think I had Chad rated maybe a win, a win and a half, probably about a win and a half worse than me at the start of the year. Now, i, I got to figure he's at least as good as I am. Right. And everything is pretty shake, uh, shaken out pretty much as we thought with all of you being 32, 33 wins. You, Adam, Silver City, Elm Grove, even even SoCal now with, with 30 wins. I, I guess yeah. they would be, they would be the fifth team now, I, I guess you would suppose. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they've got a good team. I don't know what's happened to Pittsburgh this year. I don't know what's happened to the meeting this year. Uh, those are also good teams that haven't been playing like it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it happens in baseball. And SoCal, really, six games over 500 now. They had a rough start, but they're rounding into form. I, I think with the other two, like I've said a couple of times, well, State College has had a little bit of a surprising year, for one thing. And, um, you know, just all being in the same division, I think one or two teams has to shake down. Um, yeah. 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 State College isn't a bad team, but I thought they were the worst of the four teams in that division. And uh, they've got 30 wins now or 31 or whatever it is. So. 31. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, well, just before we leave this subject, more morbidly, <laughs> does first of all, does Baltimore deserve to have the worst offense of all time? Yes. <laughs> that was a quick answer. <laughs> Offense I have seen in a long time, maybe ever. Uh, <laughs> now, now, let's remember, let's remember there was a certain team <laughs> in the eighth season in 2008 that had Jerry Owens and Wes Helms playing every day. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> more, more classic analysis. I I mean I still can't believe that that they're they're going to end up worse th- than Adams team that year. But they're holding at a 600 OPS right now, which is tw- just referring to their offense. Correct. Yeah, yeah, just their offense. Their pitching is clearly better yeah, than Adams Orlando, team. The Orlando team from 2008 and it's hard to remember the really bad team because you don't remember any of their players. But Correct. They haven't traded anyone from their rotation. Yeah, uh, they're 16 and 38 right now, and they just traded away their two best relievers. Um, they do still have a couple of starting pitchers, but with an offense that bad, I mean, how, what are we? Could they make a run? I mean, it would take a. It, I mean, it, that'd be pretty far fetched for them to make a run at Adams' team in terms of record. Oh God, I think Adam went 20 and 61. Is that right? You would think correctly, yes. Yeah, four and twenty-three. That would be pretty. That would be pretty amazing. But but what about? Uh, I mean, I I guess second worst is is in range. Where we're talking about your team that won twenty-four games. That's certainly in range. I suppose, but you're still talking about eight and nineteen, which is going to be yeah. pretty tough for a baseball team to do. Well, they've gone sixteen and thirty-eight so far. But uh, yeah, that's true. well, we'll see. I was just kind of I was just kind of fascinated. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. They, uh, I'm just kind of fascinated by the fact that they, they, they won 16 of their first 54 with those two relievers, basically. So we'll we'll see how that goes yeah, from there. Yeah. All right, well, let's... um. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the replay. And you are um, you are one of three people in the league who were who are around in, in 2001 when we started. You have one of the the uh, the charter franchises, as you would say, of the league. The only one man enough to keep the same team name or something. Man enough. <laughs> I don't know if you could describe it as man enough since I force you to keep it. Maybe woman enough that I can bully you into it. <laughs> I see. I'll get out of. I'll get out of your way next time. Yes. Um, so you are you are one of the people who can speak about some of the things you remember from that season. Of course, um, I guess it, it was pretty recently that we sent around all of our remembrances of of when the league started and everything. But not a whole lot of that talked about the the individual teams of the first season. I guess we talked about your miracle run, and you can you can talk about that if you want. I'm sure. 
<laughs> expecting uh, that Chad will listen. <laughs> I'd like, no, no, I'd like to talk, well, everybody knows the story. I was down five, five games behind Elm Grove, uh, Colin Perry. Good catch. He, uh, I was five games behind Colin Perry with five games to play, uh, which translates into just horrendous odds. However, my last three games of the season were head-to-head against Colin Perry. I managed to win the first two, and they lost the first two, so I was three back with three to play all against Collins Ferry. I won all three of those games, and then beat them in a one-game playoff, which is almost statistically impossible. It was epic. Uh, yeah. It was It was yeah. a one in 256 chance, all told. Yeah, I think we worked, yeah, one in 256 sounds right. right. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, if that kind of thing happened in the major leagues, it would still be, if it had happened in the major leagues 100 years ago, it would still be talked about today, so. Yeah, it's, you know, it, I mean, not to, not to get too much into Major League history. I don't know, I mean, how many people will, will know. What, I mean, obviously people have heard of what I'll talk about, but I don't know if they know. But in, in 1951, it's sort of like the New York Giants coming back to win the pennant. And, and certainly people still talk about that. The shot heard around the world, Bobby Thompson. I mean, you. The, another thing is, out of those last four games, I believe that, and I wrote this, so I hope it was right. <laughs> I could have researched it. Um, I believe that three of them were either extra inning or walk-off wins. Do you have that memory? I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, know that it was, there, I know there were some really exciting games, and a couple of them went extras. I don't remember if it was two or three or, or what. Right. Yeah, it was it was something like that. Out of those last ones, it was it was a very thrilling finish. But in 1951, just incidentally, quickly, the the Giants were 12 games back with some number of games to go, maybe 30 or 35 games to go, and they ended up coming back to win. Um, so it's it's sort of on. A, I mean, it's even more improbable than that. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it still gets talked about. So yeah, it. I believe that, I mean, and we still talk about it. Of course, in the RBA, we still talk about that miracle run. Um, Incidentally, that that team. I guess we can start with your team. You, for the first three fourths of the season, you had to be just banging your head against a wall. Um, I had a. Let me. I'd like to. I'd like to start <laughs> off by saying and this, was, this was obviously just my opinion. And furthermore, I hadn't done any real number. I didn't start doing any real number crunching in the RBA until later, until really the third season. But uh, but I remember starting that season with the basic thought that. I had a pretty good team, but we were probably one or two wins worse than uh, Collins Ferry. I thought Collins Ferry had the best team in that in the in the division for that first season. I still kind of think they do. We'll get to the replay results later. Uh, I kind of thought that Adam and uh, Scottsdale, I guess they were called, had the maybe the two probably the two best teams in the league overall. But there really weren't any great teams that year, as you would expect. I mean, it was a it was the inaugural season, so. Uh, everybody kind of had to start from scratch, so nobody had a juggernaut. Uh, but anyway, uh, I knew I had—I knew I had a better than average team. I knew I had a, a pretty good team, and uh, I think we were something along the lines of 32 and 34 through 66 games, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, that's good. Wow. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably because we've talked about it subsequently. <laughs> but I remember I was hanging right around 500 and even a game or two below for yeah three quarters or four fifths of the season or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, we started winning games at the end. <laughs> well, that, was a, that was a lot of lead up to a very quick climax. <laughs> well, I mean, we already talked about the five. Wins, the last five wins. <laughs> it was, I, one on a bit of a rough before then. Right, it was just yeah. abrupt. It was like, oh, no, no, no. and then we won a bunch of games. <laughs> well, I mean, if we were, if we were 32 and 34 through 66 games, 
You went 13 and 2. Yep. Plus the one win in the uh, in the playoff game too. To add on to that, yeah. So we'll 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 start with you. You like you just said you were. You were uh, two games under after 66 games. You were four or five games under at times, too. I mean, you were kind of wallowing around the, the halfway point. Um, the replay, the 14 replays, put you at an average of 43.7 wins. Um, after that mere... Yeah, in terms of what you were saying, pretty good team. Um, you said that you thought you were a win or two worse than Collins Ferry. Um, we'll get to them in a second. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so, so these wins yeah, are out of 81. Doesn't translate to as well. 87.4 wins over 162 game season on average, and Colin Ferry finished with exactly 45 wins. So that obviously works out to 90. I think that's about right. I thought Colin Ferry. I thought I was a little bit lucky to do better than Colin Ferry, but I said our teams were fairly close. Right. Um, and so yeah, the replays kind of worked out as I thought they would. The and Collins Ferry, I guess we can say it's kind of interesting, but uh, they finished with 45.0 in the replay. So they finished with exactly to the tenth the number of wins that they had in the RBA. Um, right, and it's also, I, I guess I should point out that I also kept track of the number of times each team made the playoffs. In the, on the RBA blog, you have there's this playoffs line. Uh, yep. So four, obviously each division would have supplied 14, you know, a total of 14 quote-unquote playoff teams. I made the playoff four and a half times. That half of first to the fact that there was a tie. Uh, wow. Thank you for explaining that, by the way. And then Brooklyn actually made the playoffs in three of those 14 replays. Yes, but that's in the other division. Good job remembering the divisions back then. Uh, except for the fact that Detroit was in our division and not Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that other division. Yeah. Oh, wait, the same division. Uh, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that Detroit team. I had a couple of things I wanted to say about that. First of all, um, you, you'll remember Detroit, of course, coached by by Booker Walton, uh, who's not in the league. We should say Collins Ferry, of course, is now Elm Grove. So Collins Ferry and Arizona, the two protagonists in the drama we were discussing, still in the league. D- Detroit coached by Booker Walton. You you had a secret reliever strategy for Detroit. Do you recall? <laughs> Uh, I drafted John Rocker that year and told him, Booker is our black friend, I think most people know that. Uh, yes, he is African-American. Yeah, I felt very hard to put John Rocker in whenever I was facing Booker. Uh, sort of an intimidation strategy, and uh, I think it worked. <laughs> So, so Detroit made, won the division three times out of fourteen, which is pretty good. It, they actually did have a decent team. As you, uh, in the replays, they finished with forty-one point six wins. And uh, as you look on the blog, and hopefully you will have looked at this, uh, you know, as you're listening or or uh, separate too. Beside it, I put actual wins. Detroit had four, forty-one point six wins, and their actual RBA wins were forty-one. They won on the last day of the season to finish above 500. Now, the other funny story about that Detroit team, which I allude to in the blog post, and I'm sure you'll remember this, um, is that they had a little bit of a rivalry with the fourth divi- uh, the fourth team in that division, which we haven't discussed yet, Milwaukee, <laughs> owned by Todd Freimeyer. Um if you recall, Booker was a little bit frustrated at the suggestion that he might finish behind Todd in the standings. Uh, yeah, 
I don't remember exactly what happened, but didn't he threaten to quit the league if he finished behind Todd? He did. He did. <laughs> sort of that kind of figure Booker was. Now, the, and the funny thing is, in retrospect, 10 years later, you know, at the time we were thinking, oh, Booker, typical hothead, whatever. And these two teams, they were 40 and 40 and playing each other. Obviously, we were in divisional play. You were playing Collins Ferry. The other matchup in that division was Detroit versus Milwaukee. And they were playing each other on that last day. They were both 40 and 40, and and Booker had to beat him to finish ahead of him, obviously, and he did. Uh, Milwaukee finished 40 and 41. But the funny thing is, now looking back, we see that Booker, and this is tough to say, had a major point. (laughs) Because the one team that was clearly out of sync with what they should have expected to be was Milwaukee, at least in that division. They were expected in the replays to get 30.4 wins, and they finished with 40. Isn't that, that's amazing. Yeah, that surprises me. I thought Milwaukee, uh, looking back at their roster now, I, I, I guess Milwaukee did have the worst team in our division, but I am surprised that, that they were averaging only 30.4 wins. Yeah, they had, they had a pretty atrocious pitching staff, as I recall. Their ace was Tom Stottlemyre, J.R. <laughs> earlier today, which uh, is good. Yes, we were talking about this. I posted it on Twitter, but it would be good just to say it quickly. The only one of the number one starters from the first season still in the league is Rick Ann Keel, who is currently a backup outfielder. <laughs> and Todd Stottlemyre was one of that illustrious we group. Should, we should mention that Todd Freimeyer was uh. a pretty high draft pick on Todd Stottlemyre. Yes. You're correct. This is the the high level analysis that the RBA was doing in the first season. Yeah, that's about right. A Todd Meyer. Of course, we were, the rest of you are using ERA to evaluate pitchers, which seems. <laughs> all of it seems like we're. All of it seems like we were we were cavemen drawing with chalk. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what the other coaches did before that first draft. Uh, I can tell you that I printed off a bunch of stats maybe two hours before the draft itself, and just that was it. I didn't even really look at them before the draft. I got to the draft. And I had one printout of OPS, which I guess at the time was pretty sophisticated. <laughs> right. And printout was for pitchers, and it was sorted by ERA, and that was it. And I, like I said, I didn't do any, I don't remember doing any preparation other than that going into the draft, so. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I definitely remember was that you drafted, you know, your relievers by ERA, which is even more unreliable than starter ERA. <laughs> yeah, I got Mike Myers in something like the 20th round of the draft, and he had an OPS against him, like 550. He just didn't quite have the ERA or something. I don't know what happened. But anyway, he was my closer, and he was one of the best, very best relievers in the league that year. And as I said, I got him in like the 20th round. Right. One thing I remember is that you had these two pitchers, and I remember things like this, but you had Tim Worrell and and Kelly Wunch. And they, they had roughly the same ERA, I guess. But, of course, as this stuff goes, they had wildly different statistics. One of them was terrible, and one of them was good. And I think after the season, you looked at their, their base stats, and you thought, and you said, oh, my God, what was this? <laughs> So we kind of had no idea what was going on back then. Um, 
but okay, well, let's talk about the other division here. The um, the two strongest teams, as you said, and this was borne out by the replay. And and I think we all, well, at least I had this sense. Um, Scottsdale and Fort Worth from the other division, and it turned out in the replay that Scottsdale finished point one wins ahead of Fort Worth. Um, actually, they finished. Correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody would have second-guessed. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted, uh, well, I don't think anybody would have predicted Scottsdale or Fort Worth not to win that division. And they, and they made the play. Actually, they made the playoffs in only 11 of those 14 um, replays. Brooklyn, who, this time I will correctly say, was in that division. <laughs> Good job. Uh, no, Detroit, damn it. Detroit. <laughs> uh, You've learned what we call process of elimination. I'm proud of you. And you said Detroit again. You meant Brooklyn. Oh, my. <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, one thing to think since... You know, what, you know what is confusing me about this? I should, I should be clear just for everybody, not that anyone cares, but uh, Steve Olery's team in the HHA is... Oh, oh good call. Wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's what's killing me here. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, yeah, good call. I sometimes do... I sometimes think about stuff like that, too. What's that? Um, well, since you 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 started uh, you started talking about Brooklyn, um, they were the big positive surprise in, in the replay. We see that that I guess uh, Adam was second. I always thought that Adam. My suspicion was always that Adam had the best team, and I guess you know it's pretty statistically, uh, you know, similar between that and Scottsdale being point one win apart. I mean, even if we if, even if we did fourteen more replays, there's really no confidence we could put in Scottsdale finishing ahead. But anyway. Um, they finished 2.7 wins better, but Brooklyn 6.3 wins more in the replays than they had in, in the in the actual season. 42.3 versus 36, which surprised me also. And I guess when you look back, they had I mean they had the pieces. I don't know why. They had some. They had, they had a strong lineup, as I recall. Is that right? They had some yeah. Workers. Yeah. Yeah. They had Delgado, Maglio, Ordonez. They had Greg Vaughn who was good back then. They had Brian Giles, who was really good back then. There's there's one thing I remember about that team, strangely enough, uh, and, and this is one thing that we should mention about the replays, is that we didn't go to the extent of setting lineups or anything like that. So the, the, the replay engine basically optimized the lineups um, based on that. So the lineups were probably a little bit different. And one thing I remember about Brooklyn is that his lineup – had had a bunch of good players in it, but he batted uh, Ray Durham leadoff, which was fine, and then Bill Miller second. So he took basically, and he also had Royce Clayton at shortstop. So he had some holes. Now, now every RBA team had holes, but for example, by contrast, Fort Worth also batted a, a kind of a similar second baseman leadoff in Biggio. At the time, he was pretty similar to Durham, same kind of player. Um, but he started his you know, whatever murderer's row at that point, basically going Chipper, Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, Bagwell, and Everett, two through six. Yeah. 
And I always remember thinking that one of the things that hurt that Brooklyn team was that he batted Miller second. And, and I mean, he was just not good that year. He was just not good. And I believe the justification that Steve said one time to me was that the Giants batted him second during the major league season. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're all talking about working with mortars and pestles at this point, trying to figure stuff out. Um, you know, nobody was really advanced, but I always thought... What's that? The first season was one of the innocent. Yes, yes. So it was one of those things, but I always thought that that hurt them a little bit. Now, you know, 6.3 wins, of course, that doesn't, uh, you know, account for all of that. It's probably just one of those things like we were talking about with the Puckett division in 2011. Uh, Scottsdale and Fort Worth were good, and, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to stay afloat. Now that now that being yeah. said, we do need to talk about the other team in that division and, and how you get it. Uh, what's that? Do we really? Well, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Baltimore from this year. So, um, how you get a a the the sixth worst team of all time in the first season overall? It was Tallahassee. You finished with twenty nine point five wins in the replay. Actually, two point five more than they did in the regular season in the real RBA season when they finished with twenty seven wins. And roughly. Only one win worse, 0.9, I guess, worse than Milwaukee, which, which is shocking. Yeah, I do too. I find that extremely surprising. Um, of course, Tallahassee missed a good portion of the draft and had sort of a cobbled together roster at, at I don't, some okay, point. I don't remember this as well as you do. Um, they, I, as I recall, I, th- I thought they missed pretty much the whole draft. Were they there for the first round or two, or what did they do? Did they give you a list? It's it's a hybrid. I had a list, so the first two or three picks I was able to make, and that included Giambi in the first round, and I believe Glavin in the second round. Um, so a couple of of good. Obviously, Giambi was a monster back then, both in baseball and otherwise, um, and kind of a hybrid because he actually showed in about the twelfth round, I would say. So there was really just about rounds 3 through 11 that I ended up just randomly assigning players to the team. Okay. And and I I mean and I didn't skip the picks, but I took out the random number generator and you remember we had a massive pool of players to choose from back then. And so it was just dregs in those rounds. <laughs> Uh, we were just hitting anything and everything along the line there. Uh, so that's how that happened. But I, I was a little bit surprised, as you said, to, to say that they finished within a win of Milwaukee. That's a little bit uh, a little bit surprising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if Todd had changed, he would well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, the other six teams, looking all time, I guess, quickly here, the other six teams did finish in the in the top half course they finished above 500 so that would make sense but they all finished in the top 50 of the 106 teams all time and Milwaukee and Tallahassee finished 10th worst and 6th worst but as you said it was tough to have a really good team and no teams in the top 25 Um, again if you're looking on the blog you can see the all-time rating over there on the on the far right of the table in the post Um, well uh, let's see any uh, any final thoughts about the season that I didn't cover I tried to think of a couple of anecdotes I remembered um, as far as anecdotes go no not a whole lot I uh, you know I, the first season was one where I don't think anybody was really other than the commissioner of course was really that into the league <laughs> I, I got into it later on and you know but I don't think anybody was nearly as 
fanatical about it as they became in the, even the second season. Uh, right. When, when basically people started talking trash and Cooper and Jared came into the league and, and all kinds of stuff happened. Uh, but the first season was one where, you know, we didn't really know what was going on, uh, really. And so it was just kind of, you know, it was a formative year. It was really the formative year of the RBA. And um, so, you know, it, 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 uh, I, yeah, I just don't think people took it as seriously as they did in the second, third seasons and beyond. But, uh, yeah, the, as far as the replay results go, those came out pretty much pretty much exactly as I would have expected. I guess I was surprised Milwaukee finished as low as, with as low an average as uh, 30 wins, and Tallahassee was as high an average as 29 and a half. But other than that, I think the team's finished about as I would have expected. Yeah. Well, one thing, I, I mean, you're talking about when, when everybody got into it. I, I think that, Obviously, you're very uh, devoted to it to this day. Um, and I think that it was at the end of that season, you know, obviously that miracle run. I do remember you being there for all those games. Well, yeah, I was in Morgantown. I was in, I was in grad school, and I was in Morgantown for half of that summer, and it, was, it happened to be the part of the year, the second half of the summer. So yep. we're talking July and the first half of August, I guess. It was during that part of the summer when the RBA and always finishes up. Yep. And, um, yeah, I was into it, but, and I, I certainly went and watched all the games and everything, but I, to tell you the truth, I don't think I really became involved in the RBA in terms of doing research and, and just really getting into it until the, until the second season. And, yeah. Uh, but we had some crazy times during those games. I think that's probably true of Chad as well. I'm just guessing. Sure. Um, but, and I think that's, yeah, that's probably when the league kind of you know, became a more serious hobby for people, uh, you know, for the coaches in it. I think that's true. I think that's true. And that's a good, uh, that's a good segue, I guess, into, into what we'll try and do next with the, with the second season replay when trades started and the big Manny Ramirez trade happened and teams started positioning themselves. And basically we had two years of Elm Grove and, and Walla Walla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you get Burnett or did you draft Burnett? I think you got Burnett somehow. I think you also traded for that for that Robert Fick.
Yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, I think that probably wraps it up. We covered it pretty well. So you can go to the blog and uh, and read that post and see the statistics and a little write-up that I did. Um, and uh, we'll see about doing the, the second season sometime. We uh, I think that my next guest will be uh, Chad after the trading deadline. We might try and have Chad on here as long as everything goes well. But I'm sure we'll be talking to Jeff Hobbs pretty soon as he races for the uh, – for the division flag and maybe a second plaque this year. Never know. Stranger things have happened. Uh, I don't know how to take that, but. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. Um, what's that? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right.